I'm thankful to the opportunity of preaching. Uh, this is the message today is the first of a five-part series over the ensuing five weeks on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit has been considered to be the least understood and least taught person of the Trinity. And so the concept by many believers is the Holy Spirit is a mysterious person, the mystery. It's also true, it is the forgotten person of the Trinity. And in addition, as you will demonstrate, will show the word, it's a neglected person of the, Holy, of the Trinity. So the manifestation and the illustration from Scripture is going to be exegetical word by word because that's my teaching format when I teach or preach. Focused on breaking down the word and demonstrating the person, the message today is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we look at the person and define a person and also from that understand that the harmony of the Holy Spirit with Jesus and also God the Father which is defined in human terms, the co-equalness of the Trinity. Flowing from the understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit flows the power of spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding in our hearts, in our inner being. And many believers are lacking in understanding again of the spiritual Communication, the personal, intimate relationship, the personal, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit in our inner being. And finally, the response of us to the Holy Spirit. And we called in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, last chapter, last verse, to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and that's repeated in Philippians 2.1. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And what does fellowship look like? Fellowship is where I'm communicating, I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. And in response, the Holy Spirit is communicating spiritual thoughts and spiritual words in my inner being. And I would say that most believers lack that understanding of that fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We called in 1 Corinthians 1, we have fellowship with the Lord God our Father, we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We call in First uh, John chapter one, we have fellowship with believers, fellow believers. But the fellowship with the Holy Spirit is lacking in many instances. Now, how do we define God as a person? How do we define Jesus as a person? How do we define the Spirit as a person? Because the focus is the person of the Holy Spirit, and we define a person as having three essentials, mind, will, and emotions. The mind is, I've sub-segmented it, not in all aspects, but three aspects. The thoughts, and not simply the thoughts, the intentions of those thoughts, what's behind the thoughts, the motive. What's that motive behind the thought that's driving me to act? <coughs> Attitude. What's the attitude? We have an attitude like Jesus in 
Philippians 2, 5 to 11, where he humbled himself. Next word, which is of a person, is know. And flowing from the word know is knowledge. And we look at that word, there are three Greek words. I work in the Greek and translate into English. But the word know is one knowledge is cognitive knowledge, just understanding or knowledge. But the one that God is looking for is experiential knowledge, personal, intimate, experiential knowledge. You may know example, I don't use examples, you know of Ukraine. But when you go to Ukraine and visit the cities and see the people and see their thoughts and understand them, that is personal, intimate understanding. That's the knowing and related to that intellect. The third is the concept of understanding. One un- example of understanding in scripture is to depart from evil. But understanding is another word for that is comprehending or discerning. The ability to comprehend, understand good from evil, right from wrong. There are other aspects that I won't talk about, including the conscience. The second aspect is will. Thoughts are formulated in the mind. And when those thoughts are formulated in the mind and expressed, that expression is through the will. I will do this, I will do, won't do that. So the will is two parts. Is it self-will, which is me generating it? Or is it the will of God that I'm obedient to? Options. The third aspect of a person is emotions and feelings. The key aspect with emotions and feelings, extremely important, is it is a reaction. For example, when you are happy, you're happy, example, in a wedding. If you're sad, you may have a loss of a loved one and you generate sadness. So you begin to see, another emotion is anger, that emotions are reactions to an event. Why is that so important? It's important because many of us make decisions based on emotions. And we do that, we're going to make, it's fraught with danger and fraught with error. And think of it, when you're talking of mind, pride, sin one, Mind, opposite humility. Problem two, lust of the flesh, lust of the, the eyes, both of them, passions, emotions. So you can see how this is beginning to shape. And now as we start talking of the Holy Spirit, I want you to focus on the words here because you're going to see the extent and the depth and the magnitude of the Word of God because you're going to see the word thoughts, intentions. You're going to... Watch and understand how frequently that word know is used and understanding. And you're going to see application, the will and the emotions. The other important aspect of this is, I'm going to explain that, is the heart. People talk about the spiritual heart. And I'm a cardiologist. There isn't, it isn't the physical heart. It is, the heart in the Bible is defined as three things. Watch how closely it is. The thoughts, the will, and the emotions. When you say love God with all your heart and serve him with all your heart, that's saying to me and speaking to us as believers with everything in the house, 
our entire thoughts, our entire will, and our entire emotions. And the question pause is, is that how we love God or serve Him? We fall short. But God is loving, and as always says, He continues to work in us. The second aspect to understand before we go is, like Jared talked in his prayer, is our spiritual battle, the devil and the spirit, is in the mind. In the mind. It's the spiritual battle is here in the mind. And so, you've got to have, as we see, you've got to understand the Holy Spirit to have the spirit of Holy Spirit in us, which we have, but the spirit of mind. So our thoughts, we have to be thinking like Christ thinks. And the only way you can get that thought is through the Holy Spirit. We'll explain. So you can see the importance. We start now with the mind of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 26, 27. And you're going to start watching words now. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should. Jared mentioned that. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, this is God, who searches the hearts, knows, there's a word knows, what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, first concept of the Holy Spirit as a person is 827. God himself knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. There's the mind of the Holy Spirit. And you look at the word knows. So we're going to look now and break down this word exegetically. Not working in the Greek at all, but working only in English to show you the depth and magnitude of the word. Because we're going to look at five words here that tell us about the person of the Holy Spirit. Five. First one, the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For him to intercede according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit has to know the will of God. And he has to know the entirety of the will of God because he's interceding for us. So, you see the word no. Second word that tells us the Holy Spirit is a person. He intercedes for the saints, believers, you and me. Intercession, as in definition, is one acting on behalf of another. So, if someone's acting on behalf of me, that is a person. That's the second word that's telling us this is the person working with me or interceding on my, my behalf. Third word we go to is 826. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. We'll get to that, but for the Spirit to help, help our weakness, it's telling us we have weaknesses. We'll explain that later. The Spirit has to know our weaknesses. Again, that knowledge, and this is personal, intimate knowledge of everything in me. I'm laid open. So, that's the third word. Now, he helps our weaknesses. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is a helper. So, only a person can help another person. So, there's the fourth word and understanding of 
Holy Spirit as a person, his helper. And the fifth is he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is not tongues because tongues are a spoken word. So this is groanings. And who's the Holy Spirit groaning to? He's groaning to God the Father. And so God the Father can understand the groanings of the Holy Spirit. So you can see, fifth, what the Holy Spirit is doing here is communicating. There's communication between the Spirit and God. God knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. He searches. God, God knows. I want to go through and expand on one aspect. The aspect I want to explain now is to know and see and experience the personal, intimate, experiential relationship that the Holy Spirit has with the believer. Just going over those words again. He knows. He knows the will of God. He intercedes according to the will of God on our behalf. He knows our weakness. He intercedes to God on behalf of my weakness. He's making groanings to God because for me, can you begin to see the personal, intimate involvement of the Holy Spirit in my life as a believer? The Holy Spirit is not given to me simply to be the presence of God in me. And this Holy Spirit is dwelling in me, is living in me, and has tremendous power. So how can you understand and experience God when you're not doing it through the Holy Spirit? And we'll see that. Expand a couple of words again. He who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. This is God. So you see the word, God searches the hearts. That's a, searching is an indication of a person. And he knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. That's another indication of God as a person. And we'll expand. I want you to hold that word search because I want to show you that God searches, the Holy Spirit searches. You're going to see Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints. You're going to see Jesus interceding for the saints. See what I call the harmony? Harmony between Spirit, Father, and Jesus. So, this is a personal, intimate God we're dealing with who knows our ever inner being. God searches, Jesus intercedes. So I want to expand this two words I talked on. First Chronicles 28, 9 to 10, Romans 8, 34. First one is about God. Here's Solomon building the temple background. And his father, David, is giving him spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding to build this temple for God. This understanding, the Spirit is now living in us. I just want to digress a moment. And this body of ours is the presence of the Holy Spirit. You imagine that? So watch what he says. And David, as you all know, is a man after God's own heart. He knows God. Just out of interest. David is the only one that's mentioned more than one time in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The last person named in the 
human person named in the Bible is David. It's the root, and root of David, talking about Jesus. As for you, my son, look at the personal relationship. Know the God of your father. There's a no. And serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches, searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. Let's break that down briefly. Look at the sequence. You want to know God and act like God and think like God? You've got to know him first. Personal, intimate, experiential knowledge of God. Not just You need cognitive knowledge, but you also need that personal, intimate relationship. And that's lacking in many believers. And serve him. And look at the definition of how you serve him, the method of serving. With a whole heart and a willing mind. You see why I went in that first slide explaining to you the heart and the mind? Because you've got to serve him with your thoughts. The heart is with the whole heart, which is the thoughts, the emotions, the will, everything. And we see we fall short again. And God is so merciful and compassionate that keeps on teaching us and training us and wants to be our teacher, the Holy Spirit, and God wants to be our trainer. And what we need, there's three words we've got to keep on understanding. Submission, yielding, surrender. We can't, we can't be filled by the Holy Spirit. We can't be controlled by the Holy Spirit unless we're in surrender or willing submission, humble or yielding. And those three words are not necessary words of the vocabulary of believers. We need to learn those words. A willing heart. And then he says, a, sorry, a willing mind. He not only tells you about the mind, the thoughts, emotions, the will. He says, with a willing mind, there's the will. We sang the song. I think Rachel sang the song. Let my will be hidden in thee, I think. Is God's will hidden in me? You see, I pause because this is the beauty of the word. I break down the word exegetically. And what the word does to me is it breaks me down as I go on every word. And it's not a bad breakdown. It puts me in my place that my place, I'm like a little piece of sand, a grain of sand on the seashore. I'm looking at this vast water there, the ocean, and I'm minuscule. I'm looking at the sky above with the heavens in the name, I cannot even see the heavens. You see how small I am? How insignificant I am? And yet the God who created the heavens and the earth and the waters and us loves us and is in us and desires to have fellowship and passionate relationship with us. You see what it's doing to me, that word? It puts me in humble submission. It makes me realize who's my master. And enables me then to start worshipping God as I should. And look at the last part. God, Lord searches all hearts and understands the intent of the thoughts. Did I, did you hear those words in the mind? So God is, before God, as Hebrews will tell us, everything is laid bare and naked and nothing is hidden from his eyes. You know how, how would I say, lacking of understanding I am or all of us? Let me explain why. We create these, have these thoughts, we look, have motives in the thoughts, and 
Many times, at times it is for us, not for God's will. And yet God can see, and the Holy Spirit can see entirety in me. You see how dumb I am at times, or we are? That's the best way to put it. But you know, but God still loves us. Still works in us, because we are His. When, the whole, when we believe in Jesus Christ, and receive Christ as our Savior, we indwelt by the Holy Spirit, sealed and given as a pledge never to be lost. Cannot lose your salvation if you're a true believer. I got to watch, sorry, I got to watch myself. I preach and I don't have notes, so I like wandering around. And I've been told when I, whenever I preach, I got to be within a certain radius of this stand. Anyway, that's, that's, that's the hardest thing for me, standing. And many times I go on my haunches or knees in submission, but they're not going to see me on, on video. Anyway, so you see God searches. Why am I dominating on that word search? Because you're going to see the Holy Spirit search. You're going to see the harmony. And Jesus, this straightforward 834, who's the one who condemns? In fact, uh, Karen didn't know what scripture, Nestle, I was preaching, and she talked about no condemnation. Same thing she just prayed. Christ Jesus, is he died, he was raised, he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. I would say many believers know that Jesus intercedes for us. I've heard believers pray, asking Jesus to intercede. But I don't think I've ever heard or very sparsely heard a believer pray for the Holy Spirit to intercede. Again, because you don't understand, you don't pray. The right prayer. So Holy Spirit intercedes for us, Jesus interceding for us. We have a double intercession. I mean, when I was in Bible school many years ago, when I was a cardiologist in Houston, the med school, I remember a Bible study teacher teaching me. And I was already old that time. I'm just much older now. He said, Ephesians 1.3, we have every spiritual blessing. But you know what he followed that up? We act as spiritual paupers, like we lack spiritual blessings. We have to get in alignment with the blessings God has given us and wishes to give us and instill in us, but we've got to be in humble submission and yield it. Holy Spirit, now we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. We go 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We're going to do a word, a verse, or two verses, break it down. Background here, this is Paul talking and stating the following. He's talking when he starts off, he talks about wisdom. And then he talks about the wisdom of God. And then he says, if the wisdom of God, the people understood it, What's the word? If they understood it, they wouldn't have crucified Christ because they would have known who Christ was. And then he says right at the beginning, I'm not speaking to you from a standpoint of eloquence or human wisdom. I'm speaking to you from spiritual wisdom. I'm speaking to you from spiritual wisdom has spiritual power. And so that's a backdrop. For 1 Corinthians, tremendous verses here again. For to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. 
There's the spirit searching. See the harmony now? I'm drawing out the harmony of co-equality of God and the Holy Spirit. God searches, and you saw that in depth. Holy Spirit searches. But the Holy Spirit is searching the depths of God. Only God can search the depths. Only Godhead can search another Godhead's depths. We can't do that. So, can you imagine, I'm building up the case, for we have the Spirit power within us, the Holy Spirit, and we have all this ability, uh, spiritual ability, the knowledge and skill and understanding. And where I'm going with this, first comment, if the Holy Spirit has the access to the depths of God, everything is laid bare, then if we are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if we yielded, submitted, controlled, we have access to the mind of God and mind of Christ. See the power? Not through our human wisdom, not simply by reading this Bible. Yes, reading the Bible is critically important. But the Spirit is, is the sword of the word. Sword of the Spirit is the word. So the Spirit works in union with the word of God. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. Paul talking now about himself. Remember, Paul is having direct revelation from God to him because none of, none of the New Testament is written in the sense of uh, we don't have all the books available. So Paul is talking and he says the Spirit of God is bringing a revelation and giving me understanding in my mind of the Word of God through the Spirit. That's, that's, that's inspiration. Next word. Concept, spirit knows. There's the word know. And here is omniscience. Omniscience means God knows everything. About everything. He created. And so when you're talking about omniscience, we'll see that. God knows everything. We'll show the spirit knows everything. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man which is in him? I want to skip that. Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. There's the, you see why I started out with the thoughts and the mind? The Spirit is the one who knows the thoughts of God. And if we yielded to the Spirit, we yielded to God, then we have started, you start seeing we're having access to those thoughts of God. We can't do it by human wisdom. So if you don't even understand, you start off with stage one, you don't understand the Holy Spirit, how are you going to understand all the access you have? You see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, tremendous link up with God. And you see, who knows, the word knows, Spirit knows the thoughts of God. There's the word know. These words are repetitive. And you see it over and over again. And the, this is what I call the beauty of the Word of God. And as we're breaking this down, you're seeing the depth of the Word of God. You're seeing the expanse of the Word of God. You're seeing the magnitude of the Word of God. And we're not talking and interacting with a human being. We're talking, this, this is showing us, we're interacting with a heavenly being. We have no ability to comprehend him in detail until when we get there one day. Who know? Who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man which is in him? What's that saying? My thoughts, 
And my motives are my thoughts. Only I know. Unless I choose to express my thoughts to you or you. But then am I expressing every detail of those thoughts? I'm expressing the intent and motives of those thoughts? I don't think people do that. So we, I know what's in me. And that's a great verse for one reason. Romans chapter 1. Everything about God is being evident to all men. To no man is without excuse. Heavens proclaim the glory of God. Some skies proclaim the wonder of his work. Psalm 19.1. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner posts of the being. That links up with the first part. Uh, for who among me knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man which is in him. God has put a spirit in all men. And just out of interest, man. Anthropos. Or in the Old Testament or New Testament. That man is representative of male and female. So God created man. In the image of God, he created a male and female. So we have the spirit in us that is able to search and convict us, whether we believers or not believers. And that same spirit is then enlightened as a believer by the Holy Spirit. Next spirit, illumination, which really gives understanding. Great, great verses. Again, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, talking to believers. And watch this. Look at the words. So that you may know the things freely given to us by God. So true spiritual knowledge has to come through the Holy Spirit. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. Here's Paul saying, he's had revelation, he's received revelation of the word of God from the, through the spirit of God. Because Paul was called personally by Jesus. And then he says, which things we speak, the things Paul is speaking is not his human thoughts or human wisdom but in words taught by the Spirit. So, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual wisdom. Question. If Paul is taught by the Spirit, was taught by the Spirit, question for us and me and each of us, am I being taught by the Holy Spirit? Hmm. You see the word, you take it, you break it down, you pause, and then you challenge yourself. It's not just reading the word. Because it's a constant challenge to see if I'm in alignment with God's will and his word. Do, just like, I'm going to break here for a moment. We read at the beginning, Spirit knows our weaknesses. And he prays for our weaknesses according to the will of God. Because we do not know how to pray. And the prayer there in the initial was we pray according to the will of God. One method of prayer. So do we ever pause, stop, and say, Holy Spirit, 
ask the Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray according to the will of God? I wouldn't ask for a show of hands. I would say most people don't pray like that. Do we pray, Holy Spirit, you have the knowledge of the depths of God. You have the knowledge of the thoughts of God. You are all-knowing. Paul got taught by the Holy Spirit. Is my prayer where, Holy Spirit, I come to you. I ask you. I exhort you. I implore you. All the words. Teach me how to pray. Teach me the word of God. Bring illumination and understanding in my heart of the word of God. Next pause. Before reading the Bible, and the only reason I bring the Bible in, I don't use an iPad or whatever, is because in case those slides don't work, I've got the Bible available to me. Do I ever ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray for you, to you, teach me. Give me understanding. Give me knowledge of the thoughts of God. So I can grow. This is what's growing in the grace and knowledge of God. Someone has to be teaching. Paul is the teacher. And to counter here, remember Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons. Jesus sat down and began to teach them. Matthew 11, Jesus instructed the disciples and taught them. Christian, again, another question. Wait, just, this word just tears me apart. I have to enjoy it. Because you know why? I'm dealing with God. I'm not dealing with any of you. <laughs> and that, that word, by having the Holy Spirit in me, leads me to love you. No matter how un unlovable you are. Even teaches me to love my wife and submit, and at least to, to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself as a sacrifice. You know how tough that is? We ask to love Christ, our wives with sacrificial love. I mean, the women have it easy. It says just submit to your husband. I mean, submission. That's not difficult. It's much more difficult to sacrificially love like Christ loved. Wow. So all women should submit to the husbands immediately as long as they're walking with the Lord. <laughs> anyway. So can you understand the need and the beauty of this word? Job, spirit of the man, the breath of the almighty gives them understanding. The breath is the in the spirit, in the Old Testament, rock. I've told you, I don't want to mention much Greek or Hebrew words because it takes away for the understanding. It's a spirit that gives understanding. And one example of spirit, understanding is to depart from evil. So how do you know what's evil is unless the Holy Spirit is telling you and teaching you? So the last point on teaching, question, do I have a teachable spirit? Big problem there. We don't hear these words in Christianity. Have a teachable spirit. Because 
most me many messages preached, I'm not talking about here necessarily, but it's really about well-being and love without any issue, understanding of the discipline of God and, and the, you know, whom God loves, he disciplines. Doesn't discipline only, he reproves. Woo. Mind of God, mind of Christ, I put on access. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, let me explain that to you, because the mind of Christ and mind of God is omniscient, knowing everything. So, a consideration when you look at that verse is one concept. We have access to the mind of Christ. And if we have access to the mind of Christ, then we have indirectly access to the mind of God. And that access is brought about by only one means, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Because you can't communicate with God or Christ except through the Holy Spirit. Now look at Colossians 1, 9, and 10. This is Paul praying. And look at his prayer. Do we pray like this? Again, the beauty, if Jaron mentioned, well, we don't know, you know, if we don't know how to pray, it's like riding a bicycle. Hmm. I would change that. Let's yield to the Spirit. Just look at what Paul is saying. Pray. Paul is praying for you, and he also prays in us that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Look at the words. That's why that first slide was, scripture, the slide was so important. Thoughts, knowledge, wisdom, all those things. Look at that prayer. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him. So we start backwards on this verse. You want to please? I want to please God? How do I try to please Him? Well, then you have to walk worthy of the Lord. What's walking worthy? Paul is saying here, for you to walk and for me to walk worthy of the Lord and please God, i got to have spiritual knowledge, spiritual wisdom. Which is Holy Spirit. And he's praying and asking. Do I plead and pray and ask God or plead and pray to give me spiritual understanding and wisdom and knowledge so that I can undertake the will of God and not my will? So then, then I can, it says, so that in the explanation, the Greek is, this is why. Now it explains. Walk in a manner worthy. And then it goes on further to please God. Romans 12, 2. Know the will of God. Be renewed in mind. It says, do not be conformed. I think uh, Jaron was talking about transformation in his prayer. Do not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind to know what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, the mind has to be renewed to know the will of God. And Spirit, Holy Spirit gives us access. The beauty of the word, will of the Holy Spirit. We've been discussing the mind, but we've seen several instances where we've noted the will of the will, the will, the will. So I want to expand on the will of the Holy Spirit, which is Corinthians I'm not going to, on that 
And in essence, this is Corinthians talking about spiritual gifts. And the spiritual gifts are used to glorify God, edify the body of Christ, and build up the body of Christ. In essence, by serving one another. Serving one another. I'm not going to be talking on spiritual gifts today because that will be message four. Actually, that is occurring right on Pentecost Day. Amazing. I didn't choose it, but spiritual gifts and spiritual power is going to be on Pentecost. Amen. I can't ask for a better, amazing God-optioned message. And to accomplish God's purpose in the mind. And so I'm just breaking this up. I'm just making a one time. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You've got to be aware. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. But to each one is given manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So each one, every one of you. And then look at the last verse. That's the key. But one and the same spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. There's the will of the Holy Spirit. God gives the gifts, but the distribution of those gifts is as the Holy Spirit wills. And each believer is given a gift. Every believer, if you're indwelt by the Spirit and say you know Christ, you have a gift. And you could have one gift or two gifts or three gifts, but no believer has all the gifts. So that message is going to be on 5th of, 5th of uh, June. So, if the gifts are given for me to serve another person, that's a problem, if I can understand this. Then everyone should be serving. No one should not be serving. There should be no call-up to believers or people in the church to serve. They should be voluntary serving. And if you don't know your gifts, then go out and serve in an area. And sooner or later, you'll know that, or other people will tell you, you have this gift, wonderful gift. You give you acknowledgement. And if you don't know your gifts, you know what you also have to do? Pray. Ask God. Ask. Show me the gifts you've given me. So you can see the body of believers today who acknowledge they believe in Christ and saved and have the Holy Spirit. That's not my, me for, for me to assess who is a believer. You can see them by the works, but ultimately God only knows because the Spirit, God assesses the believers by having the Spirit, those who have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. Romans 8, 9. I'm sorry, but for the coordinators of the elders of this church, because after this, everyone should be in the church should be volunteering to serve. And you're going to have too many people serving, so you've got to find out ways to serve. That's a wisecrack. But that's what I mean. <laughs> Every one of you who happen to be in the body of Christ should be serving. 
There's no negotiation on this. This is God's word I'm talking about. I'm not talking about my word. Now, you actually look at the harmony of the will of Holy Spirit has a will. God has a will. Jesus has a will. This is called harmony now, co-equality. Look at the will. Great verse. Actually, it goes on to 1920, so you should know all these. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, gives, give thanks to the Lord, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do we match up with that? Next verse, we won't talk about it. At least 2520 is going to be, do not quench the Holy Spirit. So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Have joy in our hearts, not because of the situation of suffering or difficulties or travails, but because Christ is in me, the Holy Spirit in me. I have the joy of the Holy Spirit living in me, which is the fruit of the Spirit. But I can only have that if I'm yielded to be filled by the Holy Spirit. To be filled by the Holy Spirit, I have to be yielded. I have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Then Galatians 5, 24 come into play. Fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. Those are not human words. Those are spiritual words, fruit of the Spirit. And why we are not manifesting many times those is because we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that, probably message five. We've got to have no sin in our life. We have to have daily repentance, confession, sorrow. We have to be yielded, surrendered. Those words are not common in the Christian dictionary and not common amongst believers. And he went, this is the will of Jesus, gets worse now. And he went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and he prayed into Peter and James and John. He said, my and he fell on his face and prayed. This, look, can you see the number of times the word is prayer? It's pray, pray, pray. Prayer, Holy Spirit, word. It's just flowing in each other. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me, from me, but yet not as I will, but thy will be done. There's a conflict there. Jesus is fully human, fully God, deity. And you see this conflict occurring. Jesus, remember, is human, fully human. And the humanity once potentially may say, if this is possible, take this cup from me. But the spirit rules in Jesus, says, not my will, but thy will be done. When we come through everyday circumstances, is that a word that we remember, that comes to my memory. God, when I'm dealing with this situation, with this dealing with this person who's giving me problems and irritating the life out of me, when I'm going through struggles and I'm going through suffering, God, I understand. I do not understand why I'm going through this, but not my will be done. Let your will be done in my life. Let you receive the glory let you receive the honor. Let you receive the praise because of my submission to you. 
and I will praise you in my suffering. I'll praise you in my joy. And when I'm angry, that's not the will of God. God, crucify that flesh with his passions when I get angry like this and I don't want to forgive. Crucify that, God. And let not my will be there, but your will be done. Do we pray like that? Do we ever pray God? See? So we seeing this interposition of prayer all the time. Not according to how we want to pray, but God's prayer. Last part of the Holy Spirit is emotions. Holy Spirit's the third aspect of a person. We talked briefly on it. Is emotions. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Ooh. Do you remember? Do you understand that the Holy Spirit indwells me? Lives in me? God's presence in me? And the key there is, are we conscious? Are we conscious of God living in me every day? And that's the problem. We continue in our merry way. But as we grow in the word of God, as we spend time in the Bible, as we submit to God and we ask and pray for God's work in our hearts, as we repent of our sins, that is growing in the grace of knowledge. But that's the only way as we, you know, when we sin, do we recognize we grieve the Holy Spirit? We are sealed. And then First, uh, First Thessalonians 5.20 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. That word quenching is suppressing the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So when we are in sin, or we sin or say something wrong or do something wrong, that spirit is not functioning there. Maybe in us, it's not going to be functioning. That sin has to be confessed in repentance before that spirit can induce power. Now you see the harmony. Genesis 6.6 The Lord was sorry that he made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. See where we talked about the heart. The mind, the thoughts, the will and the emotions, there's, he was grieved in his hearts. God is grieved. Followed up later by the flood, destruction of all except Noah and his family. But God had, how would I put it, compassion. He said, I will not destroy the world again until it comes time for the ultimate final visit. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to them, My soul is grieved, deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And why? He's telling the three disciples there, keep watch. And the reason he's telling them, keep watch, is be on the alert. Because a devil is prowling, seeking who to devour. We have to keep on watch every day. Because we are not in a physical battle. Our battle is not flesh and blood, but forces, rulers, powers of darkness, spiritual forces of weakness in heavenly places. We're fighting against demonic, 
battle. This is a demonic fight we are. Spirit because versus the devil. And the flesh in us is our Adamic nature. So we got to understand. We got to be watching and being on the alert. That's a long message. Extreme depth of the word. And I hope you've had time to be able to understand. But truly, this is what I say, not because I'm teaching or preaching. I would suggest that you re-listen to the word, the message, one at a time, two times, write notes. Because just remembering what you've heard is like eating good food. You know, what, if I have to ask you, what did you eat two weeks ago on a Saturday? No one's going to remember. You may have enjoyed it so much, but you don't even have any memory of it. It's gone. So I'd really implore you, spend time, listen. If you've got any questions, you can, I'm going to be teaching next week. You can ask me those questions. So what have we learned? person of the Holy Spirit has tremendous power. As we see in the person, we understand the spiritual power, the spiritual link between God, Father, Son, that power that is displayed in us, the personal intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit in us, in teaching us, training us, guiding us, directing us, empowering us. And we can only live in the power of the Holy Spirit so that when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to walk by the Spirit and we're going to walk in light and we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. Father, we come before you and thank you for your word. This is your, no, this is your word, as I said at the beginning. You've just used me as an open, empty vessel. And I pray, Lord God, as that I've shared this word, you would give spiritual understanding, spiritual knowledge, but most of all, Lord, a spiritual desire in the hearts of all those who listened, a desire, a zeal, an earnestness in the inner being to know you in depth, not simply superficiality. And equally, I pray, Lord God, for each of us, including myself, that daily, being yielded and submitted and surrendered to you, Lord God. And repenting each day of sin, Father, with acknowledgement, confession, but not only confession, godly sorrow in our hearts when we do sin. And follow, Father, let our life be one of prayer in your, and looking at your word. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time... May God bless you as you continue to follow Him. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you.